All right. So how many of you believe I could push you across the stage in this wheelbarrow? How many of you want to get in the wheelbarrow? Golly, two ladies, one guy. Okay, anyway, let's talk today about what does it take to make a difference in somebody's life in the world that you live in. You know, we all kind of have that big kind of statement like, you're going to make a difference. And you're kind of like, yeah, right. You know, I hear that my whole life. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about some of the difference we're making in the world and some of the things that are going on in our own church right here. And then I'm going to roll right into the story of the four lepers that we find in uh, the book of 2 Kings. But, um, you know, we've been praying for uh, 21 days fasting. Uh, We finished that up a few weeks ago. And I promised to kind of give you some of the results of what we're doing and what we're seeing. Some of it's still unfolding But we've actually added uh, an additional pastor to our staff. He will be starting uh, on December 2nd. So his name is Nate Snyder. He's coming from Free Chapel in Irvine. He's a great guy and his wife, Erica. There they are up there. Put your hands together for them. Okay, let me try it again. Put your hands together a little bit better. Because this is rehearsal, because they're going to be here in a few weeks, and I want you to do a better job. Amen? But uh, we're really excited about them and and what God's going to bring to us through them and how they're going to minister powerfully uh, for the kingdom of God here in this place. So that's uh, really, really good. Um, The other thing that I wanted to tell you about is, uh, and this is really exciting because Alex is not new to us, uh, Alex Hanna and his wife and family, but Alex, just raise your hand right there. Alex is a missionary to the Muslim world. He actually has a television show that reaches up to 20 million Muslims every week. Uh, I mean, and and in the day we're living, we need people getting the good news out uh, of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things happening, and and we're seeing God kind of do some interesting things. We we had a meeting this week uh, with a guy that that even Alex knows. His name is Joseph. He has a television ministry and owns the station and uh, does some broadcasting. And, and we, we met with them because uh, a guy in our church is, is uh, kind of on the, right on the doorstep there of becoming CEO of one of their stations. And he kind of introduced us. We began to talk a little bit and pray with him, and we heard his story. He's going to be with us next week uh, and going to share a little bit of his testimony in Egypt of being imprisoned in Egypt. And it's, it's an amazing story. If you have to miss any Sunday, don't miss next Sunday because it's going to be really, really powerful. The following week, we're going to have a man in from Israel. He's going to be sharing with us. That'll be the first Sunday in December, and it's going to be powerful. We're going to have a series of, uh, of just opportunities for you to hear about people who are making a difference in the world, and we're going to do that through uh, the month of December, culminating with Jesus making the biggest difference in the world on, uh, on his birthday that we celebrate. Amen. But uh, I just want to read this to you because uh, in talking to, uh, to Joseph about his radio station, um, he said, uh, why don't I, well, let me tell you about it, and then I'm going to tell you what he did. Uh, we broadcast the Middle East and Europe through the Nile satellite, Intel satellite 10 on Africa uh, before 2013. Our viewership was 160 million. We have added a local LA antenna channel, which opens up viewership to the local ministries in greater Los Angeles area, as well as Satellite Asia, Satellite 5, which opens up viewership to China, North Korea, South Korea, India, Pakistan, Indonesia. Year to date, our network has a potential viewership uh, platform of 1.6 billion viewers. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, let me tell you what's really neat about it. They are up 
uh, they are uplinking both of our messages. So uh, this morning we were viewed by somewhere around 100 million people worldwide, the services, the one you're in today, the one there. Um, in the process of that, you know, we've really been kind of kicking around this idea of what are we going to do with reaching the world and, and really taking media to the next level. Um, many of you have been involved in media. Uh, many of you will be involved in media. Uh, we started a ministry uh, years ago, Tammy and I did, in, in Hollywood, for Young Hollywood. And one of the people that we crossed paths with, that's our really good friend, and her and her husband, uh, Ashley Williams Allen, and her husband, Justin, are part of our, our church uh, when they're available. And, and anyway, we connected with them about creating programming. So we're looking at creating a bunch of programming uh, that's going to not only be in English in the greater LA area, but also uh, be dubbed uh, for the Islamic Muslim world uh, worldwide. So God is doing some very, very unique things. I, let me tell you what I've learned about God and how he works. There it is. I don't know. Is not God mysterious? Think about what God's doing in your life. Have you ever, have you ever thought you knew what God was up to? And then you look back on life and you go, that's what it was. I love that our God is a mysterious God, don't you? I love that our God takes and he wants to illustrate a great story, a marvelous story about deliverance we're going to read about today, and he uses four lepers. He doesn't use four perfect people. He doesn't use four handsome people or beautiful people. He doesn't use rich people. He uses people who are dying of leprosy. And he illustrates this great truth about the kingdom of God. It's a story about the, the, the city of Samaria is surrounded by the Syrians. And they are under siege and there's no food, no water, and they're dying. And literally inside, survival is, is just days away. And no one knows what to do. If they go outside the camp, the, the, the Syrian army is going to kill them. If they stay inside the camp, they're going to die from starvation. But sitting outside the gate because they won't let them in. Isn't there irony in this? Four lepers not allowed into the gate. Why? Because they're unclean, because they have leprosy. They're sitting outside the gate. They're dying inside the gate. And God is going to work a miracle. God is going to take what's inside of them, the potential they have and the needs they have, and he's going to use it to bless everybody inside that city. I read this quote. I want to just read it to you. We, have no, we don't have a clue as to what people's limits are. When Tam and I were living in England, we were in a market and walked by, a man walked by by the name of Roger Bannister. Some of you recognize that name, first man to break the three-minute mile. He did it that year. The next year, I think 10 or 12 other people did it. They discovered it could be done. But all the tests and all the stopwatches, all the finish lines in the world can't measure human potential. When someone is pursuing their dream, they'll go far beyond what seems to be their human limitations. The potential that exists within us is limitless and largely untapped. When you take that truth, that statement, you put in the middle of that the Holy Spirit of God living in you, powerfully in you, you take the gifts that you have and the opportunities you have. Imagine what God can do with you. You look at your life and you may find some level of great success right now, but God wants to do more. 
I think about Pastor Alex there going uh, to Houston this week to preach a revival to the to Arabs to tell them about Jesus. We need to pray for him and we need to encourage him because he's out there doing something. And, and Pastor Alex, I just want to say to you this. I believe God wants to do more through you. I believe this is just the beginning of what you're going to do to impact the world for Jesus Christ. Because if we don't address the issue of what's happening in our world, in the Islamic world, we are going to be in trouble. And guess what? We got the good news. It's a lot better to see him come to Jesus than to blow him up. Amen? Amen. I mean, I, don't you just want a bunch of loving people who are transformed by the power of God? Hey, I'm not saying I'm against military uh, you know, fortitude and all of that. I'm just saying that if I have my preference, I'd rather see a revival sweep across the Middle East and see 100 million come to faith in Jesus Christ than anything else. Amen? I believe we're in a new season of opportunity. I want you to say that with me, but I want you to put you in it. I'm in a new season of opportunity. Are you ready? Now, this is kind of like a joint participation. You got it? Okay, I'm in a new season of opportunity, all right? Let's just do that last phrase because it's easier. New season of opportunity. Okay, let me show you. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Now, there were four leprous men. I love how that starts. At the entrance of the gate, they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be noticed They probably wanted somebody's pity. They wanted somebody to give them a handout. They couldn't go in. And it says, they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. Now that's a dilemma, isn't it? Here's what I learned from this story, and I want you to listen really carefully. We've got some things that are going to really kind of take you on a journey into the depth of the heart of these leprous people, and I want you to think about your own leprosy and what it looks like as we go through this journey. God uses difficulty to advance the thing that is set against you. God uses difficulty to advance the thing that is said against you. You see, the difficulty you despise in your life, the challenges you have in your life that you hate, God uses that to advance you into the place that he wants you to be. God has got something for you, but he's got to take something out of you before he can put it back in you. You see, God creates capacity in you to fulfill your desire. You see, God created with a capacity for certain things. And we all have different capacities. We all have different things that we say, I'd like you to fill up. God created that so he can fill it up. He can put all of that inside of you. You see, the the leper's deepest need was not to be healed, and it was not to be fed. You might be looking at your life right now, and you say, my deepest need is, and it's probably not. It's probably not just like it wasn't in the leper's life. You see, you could feed them, but they're going to die anyway. You could clothe them, but they still have leprosy. But there was something inside of them that was deeper. You see, the deepest need in the life of those lepers was the, was the need for significance. Can you imagine how insignificant they felt as lepers? I mean, it's like going to school and be the only one that no one will talk to. 
It's like starting a new job and no one will help you. It's like going to the dance and no one will dance with you. There's something inside of all of us that can relate to that, that thing of insignificance. Leprosy, watch this though, and this is a key. Leprosy actually unlocked the capacity of realized significance. Without the leprosy, they never would have found significance. Without the leprosy, they would have been like everyone else inside the city starving to death. It was the leprosy in their system that actually allowed them to unlock significance and really to become the hero of Samaria, if you will. You see, God, watch this, God sustains what God supplies. When God gives you something, he'll sustain it. When you meet your own need and you say, well, I'll supply it, then you have to sustain it. So God comes along and he says, all right, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, I'm going to give you that, and then God will sustain you. He'll carry you. But if you go around God and you try to get your own need met and do it in your own way, guess what? You always have to sustain it. Why do you think Job could say what he said? Here's Job going through the worst days of his life, and he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know why? He knew God gave life. God can take it away. You see, if we think that we have made our own way, then we have to always sustain it. We're always trying to carry it. And you know what we do? We put all of our stuff, we get it in a wheelbarrow, right? Got our stuff in a wheelbarrow, and this is my stuff. And man, I'm just going through life, and you know, and I'm I'm having so much fun, and going over here, look look at over here, I'm in the dark. See, if some of you'd buy some more lights, we'd have light over here. And, and you know, I've got all this, and I'm, I'm going through life. i got my stuff in my wheelbarrow, but you know what? And I keep putting more stuff in there. And the wheelbarrow's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And, you know, and, and then after a while, you know, there's stuff in there that I just need to get rid of, and so do I. i got to do. i got to dump it out. Oh, I feel so much better, but then I, what do I do? I start filling my wheelbarrow up again. I put more stuff in it, more stuff in it, more stuff in it. God's saying, you know what? Get in the wheelbarrow. Let me push you. Let me carry you. Let me take control of your life for you. Because as long as you have to, as long as you supply that need to be noticed, that need to be heard, that need, 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 you're going to have to supply that and sustain it your whole life. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2. I love this scripture. It says, it is the glory of of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. God puts the best stuff under the surface. Have you noticed that? You have to dig for gold. You have to drill for oil. You have to to mine for diamonds. You see, the best stuff is not easy to find. God's the same way. So what does God do? God hid significance in the camp of the Syrians. What? Yeah, he hid significance in the camp of the Syrians, and it was the lepers who were going to go into the camp of the Syrians and find significance in the miracle of what God did and God could sustain. So God hid significance in the camp of the Syrians, but the glory of the lepers was to search it out. I want to show you something. You may be living out your own kind of leprosy, but guess what? God has got what you need hid in the camp of the enemy. You've got to go in and get it because that's how God wants you to work. You have to face your greatest fears so that you find, you find the faithfulness of God. You can't find him on an easy street. You've got to find him where God hides them. 
And the moment of decision, watch this, is the moment of victory. The moment you make a decision to say, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow God. You're going to find God begin to open up the doors. John Maxwell said this, stop doing Stop doing important things occasionally and start doing important things daily. You ever look back on your week and you go, I, yeah, I had a couple of important things I did or a couple of thoughts that I had or a couple of decisions I made. But by and large, you say, you know, they're kind of more fewer than, than they, they are really kind of richer in my life. What would happen if every day you woke up and you said this, I'm going to do one important thing today. You get to decide what's important. It might be praying, it might be helping someone, it might be bettering yourself, it might be learning something, it might be teaching something to someone, but I'm going to do one important thing every day of my life. How do you think your life would be different? What significance do you think would come back to you? 2 Kings chapter 7 verses 4 and 5 says this, now therefore come, let us surrender. Now the lepers are saying, let us surrender the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, then we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. We're going to die anyway. What do we got to lose? Can I give everyone a little piece of information? We're all in that same boat. I have no promise of tomorrow any more than you do. Why not do something great with your life today? Why not make a big decision to say, I'm just going to trust God. Where's it going? I don't know. What do you think he'll do? Don't have a clue. But I'd rather be on his boat than in my own boat by myself rowing against the wind. Amen. Now look what it says. If they, it says um, in verse 5, and they arose at twilight. Can you all say twilight? twilight? Twilight, the beginning of the new day. Can I tell you, today is the beginning of a new day for you. This is your twilight. Today, God is going to speak to you in a powerful way. He's going to say, I've got a twilight for you. This is a new day. I'm going to work a miracle. Will you let me work that miracle? So they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise... No one was there. Now they're looking around and they're thinking, here's food, here's silver, here's clothes, here's gold. This was like country buffet for senior adults. I mean, this was amazing. We can't wait to get into this place. We can't wait to begin to take it. But remember, it was at twilight. Why did they get up at twilight? Why? They said, let's start tomorrow as a new day. They could have gone that night. Wouldn't matter. Could have waited till noon, wouldn't have mattered. But the Holy Spirit of God put it in there for a reason. He wants you to know if you will begin your day with God, going in the right direction, God is going to do something special. And that word twilight is going to come back in the story in just a moment. Let me show you this. Miracles pave the way for miracles. I really believe that when you begin to see God work miracles, God has more miracles for you. God begins to unfold miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and there's no limit to what God does. Second Kings chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, the noise of a great army, and they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at, say it with me, Twilight. say it with me, Twilight. Remember twilight? When did they make a decision? Twilight. When did the guys run? When? Twilight. Twilight. They raised it. They got it going at twilight. Do you see how God synchronized their decision and the miracle together? Miracles happen when you make a decision. 
Momentum starts when you make a decision to follow God, to trust after God. And they left the camp intact, it says. They fled at twilight. They left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their very lives. Now, you know what the miracle is here? All of a sudden, when you begin to make a decision in the right direction for God, God sends a noise in the minds and the hearts of your enemies. You say, well, I don't have any enemies. Yes, you do. Your enemies are anyone or anything that feeds your dominant weakness. Your enemy is anyone or anything that feeds your dominant weakness. Because what they do is they bring you down to a position of fear. And when you're living in fear, you can't even keep the first commandment of God. To fear God only. Courage is the first and foremost characteristic of biblical faith. Do, am I willing to trust and follow after God? Am I willing to love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength? Courage is critically important because it's built on this thing of honoring God. And when I honor God like that, God says, if you'll honor me, I'll honor you. And so what they did here was they left at twilight. When you take a step and you say, I'm going to honor God, God is going to say, let me just begin to put some noise in the hearts of your enemies. Now, remember I said anybody that feeds your dominant weakness. Have you ever noticed how some people just always have stuff to dump on you? Have you ever noticed this? Anybody have that experience? I mean, it wouldn't be anybody in this room or anybody you're sitting next to, but it would be somebody that you used to know years ago and they've moved somewhere else. They've, read, they've moved to red dirt, Arkansas, right? You don't even know where they are anymore. But have you ever noticed how some people just kind of dump stuff in your wheelbarrow? Uh, can you relate to this? And they come to you and they got to tell, tell you something. They got to tell your burdens. You say, okay, yeah, go ahead. I, I got a little room in here. And you're holding the wheelbarrow, right? And then they come along and, they, and then you're trying to go along and then they put more stuff in there. Before long, it gets so full, you're like this, right? Well, what about the person that's got his own stuff and he's coming along, she's coming along. I got a load full of stuff and all they really want to do on you is what? Dump on you. We need a no dumping sign at church, Amen. No, we don't want that anymore. You know, and, and they just, what they do is they build up all this stuff in their life. And, and what they're really trying to do is they're trying to find significance. They think if they have a piece of gossip that you've not heard, then it's their responsibility to give it to you, right? And they always, have you ever noticed how in church it's always spiritual? Now, I know that I shouldn't be telling you this. And I'm only doing it so you can pray effectively. That gives me a pain I can't locate. You know what I'm talking about? I'm serious. Why don't you just say, I want to gossip in Jesus' name. I'd rather just have him say that. Amen? Just get it out, sister. Get it out, brother. Just tell me how you really feel. And I think what we need to say is when somebody comes along with their wheelbarrow and they're coming along there, you see them coming. Here they come. You go, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. No dumping over here. No dumping. You dump it somewhere else. You dump it in your backyard. Don't dump it over here. Because I've got, I got some freedom. See, here's what God wants us to do. I kind of enjoy this. I might have this every week. God wants us to get in the wheelbarrow. He wants us, not us to carry the burden. He wants to carry us. He wants to carry us. He wants to sustain us. When the lepers came to the outside outskirts of the camp, verse 8. 
They went into one tent and they drank. They ate uh, and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing. They went and they hid them and they came back and they entered another tent and they carried some from there also and they went and hid it. Man, they are excited. We got new clothes for the first time. We've got food. We've got silver. We gold. And they're so excited, they're burying it, right? They're hiding it. You know why? Because they didn't think it would ever come back to them again. They didn't know they were really tapping into what God was up to. Let me show you this. God delights in the desires of his children. God used those four lepers because he saw what they needed. They had the capacity to receive it, and he knew that they had the capacity to distribute it. He knew what was in their heart. He knew what good was going to come out. He knew that 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 hiding of that gold and silver and that eating of that food would only be temporary because God knew inside of them that they were going to be responsible. You see, God will always say no. Listen to this carefully. God will always say no to a request that destroys or delays your significance. When you pray for something, if it's going to destroy or delay your significance in the kingdom of God, he's going to say no to that prayer every time. You say, well, I've been praying for a new car. That, nothing wrong with that. You say, I've been praying for a new expensive car. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? Unless it destroys your significance or delays it. See, for every 99 people that can handle prosperity or adversity, only one can handle prosperity. You say, if I was rich, man, I would be the biggest giver in the world. No, you wouldn't. You'd be as cheap as you are right now. (laughs) Amen? I mean, just be honest. Money doesn't change your nature. Might make it worse. God knows exactly how to get you right to the right place. You see, reward, watch this, reward is anchored in the nature of God. Reward is anchored in the nature of God. When you tap into God, you find that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's what the book of Hebrews says. It's bound into it. God says, hey, lepers, I got reward in my nature. I want you to understand the nature of God because you've been blaming me for a long time for your leprosy, but I want you to see my real nature. I want you to see what I can release in your life. Reward was God's response to the leper's capacity to receive significance. And again, I'm going to. I'm not even sure I understood it. All right. Reward. Reward was God's response to the leper's capacity to receive significance. That's pretty good, isn't it? Kind of grows on you. Some of you, it'll grow on you about Thursday. You go, I think I get it now. (laughs) Favor in your life can increase and it can decrease, but favor is never the absence of difficulty. Let me show you what I mean. There's a guy named Joseph in the Bible, the book of Genesis. You've ever read about him? Here's Joseph. His dad gets him the worst gift for Christmas. It's his coat of many colors. All it does is make his brothers mad because he's got a designer coat and they don't. 
And then Joseph, he's walking around like, look at me, look at me, right? The brothers, finally, they do what brothers do. We've had enough of you. You're going to the pit. We're going to sell you to the Egyptian slave traders. You're going down to Egypt. Your life is over. That's really what they said. We're done with this thing. That's why only children are best. (laughs) When you have a choice, just have one. No sibling rivalry. I was an only child, and if you know that, so was Jesus. I just want to go on record. <laughs> all right, now, let's, let's get back to the truth here. Okay. All right, so they sell him into slavery, and all of a sudden, guess what? He goes into slavery, and God says, and the favor of God was upon Joseph. What kind of favor is that? Then he goes down into Egypt. He gets in Potiphar's house. He becomes a slave, and it says, and the favor of God was on Joseph. Then he gets falsely accused, put in jail, and the favor of God was on Joseph. Seriously? Right? And all the way, God's saying favor. You see, it wasn't the absence of difficulty or challenge or accusation. No, what it was was the favor of God had to take everything out of him that was getting in the way of significance so he could understand significance when God elevated him to prime minister over Egypt. See how that works? Favor is the release of the realm of the kingdom where you encounter the nature of God. When favor comes upon you, you are encountering the kingdom of God. And you're encountering it so it can flow through you and not be contained by you. If you contain, if you hold on to the favor of God and don't share it, it will diminish in your life. And it will turn itself into pride, and it will turn itself into something very ugly. It will turn itself into spiritual arrogance instead of joy of what God is up to. Decide you'll make a difference. Let me show you what happens here. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. See how God knew what was in their heart? Here we are, we're having fun. They're starving to death in Samaria. We are not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we were putting that in the Greek in the New Testament, we would say this is a day of the gospel. This is the good news. We are not doing right. This is a day of the good news. If we remain silent, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Can I put that in the context of application like this? You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not doing right if you keep it to yourself. You have a responsibility to take the favor of God that found you, saved you, loved you, and give it to somebody else, to invite them into the kingdom of God, amen, to allow people to experience the joy of Jesus Christ. That is our responsibility. I was at uh, uh, Bodie Coffee Leaf this week, and that's our new uh, coffee shop that's coming. If you've ever been there on Orange, I want to do a shout-out to them, just like I'm doing a shout-out to, you know, 200 million uh, Arabs who can't understand me right now. God bless you. But anyway, I'm doing a shout-out to Bodie Coffee Leaf right now, right? I walk in there. There's a guy working behind the counter. I won't tell you his name. You could tell he was having a bad day. Have you ever noticed that? You can just, it's all over, Right? Because the eyes are the windows of the soul, the countenance of the, of the heart is reflected on the face. I said, how you doing? He goes, oh, not too good. And I use my standard line. It works every time. I said, you look like you're alive. Always gets a little smile. Yeah. And I said, and are they paying you for this job? He said, well, yeah, they are. And I said, isn't your day better already? He said, actually, it is. <laughs> Just had to be reminded he had a pulse and he was getting a paycheck. 
I reached in my pocket. I got one of those little cards that we use for the prayer ministry called Expect a Miracle. I handed him a card and I said, I'd like you to have this. And he looked at it and he goes, oh, that's really good. Flips it over. He reads a little thing on the back. Expect a miracle. I said, you should expect that God's going to do a miracle in your life. In fact, today may have been the miracle you were looking for. It's so easy. It's so easy to make a difference in somebody's life. You just have to do it. He said, if we wait till the morning, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. You know what happened? The guys who everybody hated, the lepers, they became the heroes of Samaria. Hey, guys, king's up in, the, up in his you know, chamber. He's, his knees are shaking. He's scared. He doesn't want to come out. He's afraid of Syria, right? Hey, guys, guys, we've got uh, the Syrians are all gone. We've got all their gold, all their silver, got all their clothes, got all their food. You should come. King's so afraid. You know why? Because he doesn't understand his significance in the kingdom. Because what he has to sustain, you see, what he creates, he has to sustain. If you created your wealth, you're always worried about losing it. If you look to God and you know God gave it to you, you don't worry about it. Because if the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, you don't worry about it. King's afraid. He said, let's just send five guys out just in case, you know, things go south. We've only lost five. Really? That's five less mouths to feed. You should have sent 20. They go out. They come back. They report, hey, it's all like the lepers say. You think the lepers didn't find significance? You see, now watch this. I'm going to show you the truth here. The fear of God is the basis of wisdom. Proverbs says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. They came to understand the fear of God, and that became wisdom for them. The reward, the reward that they got revealed the very nature of God. When I get something good, I look at it and I go, this is revealing the nature of God to me. But greed negates the nature of God. When you become greedy, you negate God. God's not in your life. He's not showing up. Nobody can see God in you when you're greedy. That's why it feels so good to give. Have you ever noticed it feels good even to give to somebody you know doesn't need it, deserve it, is even trying to steal from you? I mean, you know, you, you drive by, and here's a guy with a piece of cardboard. And you know, you're, in your mind, you know, I know this guy's probably got a better car than I do somewhere. Because <laughs> he ain't paying taxes on that money. You know, you just know it. But you know, every once in a while you reach in your pocket, you know, and you hand them a a one or a five or whatever you got, and you say, hey, God bless you. It feels good even when you know, right? You know why? Because giving is in the nature of God. That's why it feels good. Why did you say, more blessed to give, right, than to receive? Why? Because it feels good. you're, You're demonstrating the nature of God. God is a giver. So you release the very nature of God when you give to somebody something. Favor is giving, given to empower people around you. If I get good it, and I have favor, it's for you. The gifts I have, the talent I have, the time I have, it's for you. We're for one another. The lepers, when they came back and gave, they released the very nature of God. Isn't that powerful? They said, let me show you what God is really like. You know what? They probably spent a lot of time complaining to God of why they were lepers. Just like you probably spent a lot of time complaining about your life, how it didn't work out right. But you know what? God wants you to see his nature through your adversity, through your difficulty. He wants you to release the nature of God. Let me give you two life applications. Here's the first one. Which kingdom are you more concerned about? 
your kingdom or the kingdom of God? You know, when I wrote that, it kind of shook me a little bit. You know, messages like this, they should affect me first, right? I should get convicted, feel bad, and then pass it on. And I should also be better by it, right? And, and it was like God just kind of started drilling my soul. He said, he said to me, which kingdom are you more concerned about? And I had to kind of go through my life, my comfort and all the things in my life. And I had to say, you know what, God? There's some areas of my life that I'm more concerned about my own kingdom than your kingdom. And God, I want to yield. Because see, if I yield my kingdom stuff to him, he always gives me back better and he sustains it. And if he takes it away, then it's not a big problem because he gave it to me. What's the big deal? Now I learn how to live. Our significance is, re- is realized when we make a difference. When you start making a difference in somebody's life, even in a little way, you begin to understand your significance in God. You say, well, I don't have a lot to give. You don't have to give a lot. I don't have a lot of time. Give, what, give a little bit. I don't know if I can do that. We'll try to do something. Because when you do... It changes you on the inside. You make a difference. So let me just give you two examples here. Two years ago, we began giving toys to the Boys and Girls Club of Anaheim. It's one of the largest Boys and Girls Clubs in America. They have up to 600 kids a day. Think about that. 80% of them are classified homeless. That means they literally live on the street, They live in a little shack. There's more than four families and a place designed for one. And when we met with them a couple of years ago and they said, you know, we have a challenge. We want to, we don't have enough toys for the the Boys and Girls Club. And I said, well, how many do you need? They said, we need about 2,000. Takes about, we need 2,000 more. We get about 1,000 from all of Anaheim, including Disney. All right. And I said, we'll just take the challenge. We'll do the 2,000 toys. We can, we can at least do more than the city of Anaheim. Why not, right? It's just 2,000 toys. They didn't think we'd do it. When they showed up with a little truck, you should have seen us ramming toys in there. We had over 2,000 toys. Amen? You know what we did? We took a little flyer, took a little, little thing of cookies, and we went around to every building around here in our business park. We said, hey, we're going to collect toys for the Boys and Girls Club. If you want to help us out, that's great. If not, uh, God bless you, and here's a, here's a plate of cookies. I don't know how many of those brought. Some of those have already called and said, hey, are you going to do the toy drive again this year? We'd like to get our toys in. Those toys go down there. None of them have the name Influence Church on them. All those toys get one of two names. They get the parent's name, and they get Santa Claus's name on it. He said, well, I don't like Santa. So, well, we do. And those kids do. You can work out all the theology you want later with them. Let's, let's bless them. Amen. Let's just bless some kids. Amen. Let's make a difference. I want you to respond. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. And don't re-gift. If you show up with like some, some nutcracker kit thing, it ain't what we need. Amen. Make a difference. Think about this run. City does two big runs. They do the firecracker run in July. They do the run over Thanksgiving. And guess who runs both of those? We do. We do. City gave them to us. Those runners run around with a bag on the back that says Influence Church. 
Those, when they get water, they get it from somebody from Influence Church. When they pick up their bags, they get it from somebody from Influence Church. You know why? If the only difference we can make is to smile at them and say, God loves you, haven't we done something significant? We've made a difference. See, you don't have to go very far. We've given you an opportunity this week. You say, well, I, that's Thanksgiving. Yeah, and what do you do at 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving? You do what everybody else, you sleep. You can do that the rest of your life. Make a difference. Do something for the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, as we stand together, God, we stand uh, really united in our heart, Father. We all want to make a difference. We all want to bless somebody, help somebody, change a life somewhere. And we just don't know how sometimes, God. And sometimes, God, we don't because we're dealing with our own issues, our own insignificance. God, I realize somebody here might not be able to afford one small toy for boys and girls, but they can hand out a cup of water. They can hand out a bag to somebody. They can pray. They can encourage. God, there's something for everybody to do to make a difference in their world. God, we want to just ask right now that every one of us would just begin with ourself. How many of you would say by lifting your hands, we're not looking around, how many of you would say by lifting your hands today, God showed me something, a way that he could meet a need and feel the significance in my heart that's going to help me out in the days ahead. Would you just lift your hand if, if God spoke to you in some way? God bless you all. Just hold your hand up for one second. God, you see these hands? God, we're not looking to try to f- figure out who it is. We're just seeing hands that are waved to you saying, God, this is, this is my movement at twilight. This is my new day, God, of saying, you, you did something in me today, God. You spoke to me in a little way through your spirit, through the scripture, through Pastor Phil. But you spoke to me today, God, and, and, and you filled it. God, would you just take that and leverage that for the kingdom in a powerful way? God bless you. You can put your hand down. Some of you say, you know, I, I just, I don't know if I know Christ. Do I really know him? And I, I want to always give you an opportunity to receive him. If you're not certain of your eternal destiny, could I just invite you to pray a simple prayer with me like this one? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me that you were buried, you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. I receive that gift, not because I deserve it, but by faith. God, take control of me right now. God, change my heart and give me a new heart, a heart that can love you. In Jesus' name. If that was your prayer, I want you to know that God indeed did exactly what he said he would do. If that was your prayer, we're not looking around. Anybody just raise your hand and say, God, that was my prayer today. Anyone? God bless you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Father, you've seen our hands. You've seen our faith. You've heard our hearts. God, we're like lepers at the gate. We're tired of the gate. We're ready to go and pillage the land of the enemy that's been feeding into our dominant weakness, that's been robbing us of our reward, that's been stealing from us our kingdom inheritance. No more, God. No more. We take control and we take the opportunity you've given us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, guys, God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. We'll see you next time.